podcast featuring a brand new, very, very loose translation of the entire Hebrew Bible with me, David Tuckman. As you know, each month a special guest will read a chapter of my original translation of the Bible while I make sarcastic comments here at New York City's Parkside Lounge. Let's give it up for the space, guys. Parkside Lounge. It's a really great environment. It's really cool here. Before we get into it, I just want to thank all of you for being out here, for coming tonight, for giving me your energy. I want to thank everyone who's listening at home for listening. Um, the, I, I think last time I gave a count of how many downloads there were, and there were like around 300, which I thought was crazy at the time. And now I think we've hit around 1,100, which is nuts. And I want to thank each and every one of those... 1,100 people for downloading it. We're in 20 countries all over the world. The only state in the United States that has not listened to this podcast. Texas. No, Texas is actually one of the big ones. Uh, South Dakota. <laughs> no! No! Cheer for South Dakota. If you know anyone in South Dakota, please, please send this podcast to them so that I have one less thing to obsessively check online every day. <laughs> Uh, but please, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, like it on Facebook. You can find it at facebook.com slash omgbible. Go to the website, omgwdfbible.com, and share it with everyone you can. Or please write a review on iTunes. That's a great way to, to spread it. Uh, I read some really, really nice reviews on iTunes in the past month, and I really, really appreciate everything that people have been saying about this. So thank you so much. Now, we're going to get right into the show right away. Let me introduce our guest. This is a very good friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, who I think is a wonderful person. She's moving away, and I knew I had to have her on the podcast, so I asked her to come on right before she moves. Please welcome a stop-motion animator and a collector of trolls, Jessica Japers Polonacki. Is, is it all right if I call you JP? Yeah. Okay. Welcome. Is it all right if I sit? Yes, of course. Have a seat. Welcome to the show, JP. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Speak I'm glad to be here. There we go. You can take it off your hand if you want. Um, how's your day been? Good. I went to Long Island and then came back. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get right into the interview, I think. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Ready. So the first question, this is a question I ask all my guests. What's your first memory of me? Of you? Oh, I know this. Um, so I didn't, you lived with my friends, Ellie and Yuli, and I'd heard about Tucky and how much you sucked. <laughs> I sucked, guys. You sucked, and they invited me over, and we were playing Wii, and you and I shared a Wii mote. And mm -hmm. I was like, this guy doesn't seem so bad. And then I found out that you were Yair's cousin, and then I lived with you. Yeah. It was crazy. So, then we moved in together. One thing led to another. And eventually you live with me. And that's my first memory. And then we got evicted. And then we got evicted. It was very sad. Yeah. So tell everyone about what you're doing with your life. So I am moving to Portland to work for a stop motion animation company called Leica, where I'm going to be a replacement animation tester. <laughs> What, you what all know what that is. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm going to be testing uh, face pieces for the puppets. Okay. That, they're called replacement animation because it's replacement pieces, and so the animation happens as you change out one piece for the next. Okay. Yeah. 
what's Leica? Leica is one of the only companies in America making stop motion feature films. And they made Coraline and Paranorman, oh. which you might have seen Subway ads for. <laughs> <laughs> or you might have seen. Those are great movies. Yeah. Um, what's, tell us a little bit about your background. What's, like, what's your background and your approach to the Bible? Did you okay. grow up Jewish? I am half Sephardi. Okay. Hello. Okay. Um, I went to Yeshiva my whole life. Okay. Um, You're losing it. Put it in the holder okay. if you want. Um, and what else? Well, what's what's your favorite Bible story? <laughs> my favorite Bible story, I think, is the golden calf, because it just sounds like an amazing piece of craftsmanship. Well, tell us. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it, of all things. <laughs> tell us about that story. What is it? What is that story? Um, so Moses goes up to receive the Torah from God, but he's taking too long, and all the the Jews in the desert are like, "Come on." This can't be real. What should we do? And build a golden calf out of all our jewelry. That makes sense. And we'll pray to that, because clearly this Moses guy isn't coming back. He's gone. <laughs> but do you like the craftsmanship, the fact that they were able to make something that actually looked like a calf? Because that's yeah. very specific. Yeah, out of, out of, I don't know, how did they do that? I, I don't, don't know, know if I could do that without my hot glue gun. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't have those back then. I don't think so. No. Let's get right into it. Are you guys ready for some Bible? Yeah! So, previously on Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible, we learned about the creation of the the entire world. We learned about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We learned about the very first murder. And then we listened to a very long list of people being born without any women involved. (laughs) But this is Torah, a loose translation. Book one, in the beginning... Chapter 3, in which God goes kind of crazy. Jehovah saw that men were doing lots and lots of wicked stuff. Every impulse that sprung from their hearts was evil all day, every day. Now, I feel like the Bible really wants to say 24-7 here, but the concept of hours hadn't been invented yet. But the world was kind of like an evil Dwayne Reed. Jehovah regretted having created man on land. His heart was saddened. He decided to erase the people he had created from the face of the earth. From human being to beast to creeping things to birds of the sky. Because he realized making them was dumb. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Kiss ass. This is the story of Noah. Noah, who was a simple, righteous man in his, dis- in his despicable generation. Noah, who walked near God. So remember Hanoch from last month? That was the guy who didn't die when we were listing all the guys. Um, but he disappeared off the face of the earth because he walked with God. Well, when it says that Noah walked near God... It uses the exact same language. So this is apparently something people did back then, and every once in a while they get called up to heaven. It was kind of like God's minor league system. (laughs) Three sons were born to Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The world was corrupt before the eyes of God and filled with violence. Okay, so (laughs) this is serious. 
The word used for violence here, Hamas, uh, is very, very close to the name of a certain Palestinian organization. Needless to say, this does not ingratiate said Palestinian organization with Hebrew-speaking Jews because it sounds a lot like they've named themselves after violence. But they didn't. And God saw the pervasive corruption of the world. All flesh had become corrupt in its ways. An end to flesh is coming, Creepy. God told Noah. The world is full of violence because of you meat bags, and I shall destroy it. So first of all, meat bags is a legitimate translation of the word used there. I don't remember what it is, but I know it's right. But it's weird that, that God is pissed that the world is full of violence because he responds with even more violence, which really leads Koreans to the argument that this book is full of very wonderful lessons. Make a box for yourself. So I could have used the word ark here. The word in Hebrew is teva. Everyone translated, translates it as ark. Uh, but I used box. Because except for the Indiana Jones movies, this word, ark, is hardly ever used anywhere that is in the Bible. It's used for the Ark of the Covenant, and it's used for Noah's Ark. So fuck that word. We're going with box. Make it from gopher wood and make compartments within it. Nobody has any idea what the word gopher means. My Jewish Publication Society Bible translates it phonetically as gopher wood, which is not a thing. <laughs> I've also seen this translated as vulcanized, which seems like way too complicated a process for Noah to do back in the day. The most reasonable version I can go with is cedar, so that might be an appropriate version. Seal it inside and out with pitch. You shall make it 300 amas long, 50 amas wide, and 30 amas tall. So you might know amas as cubits. Uh, their ancient units of member measurement. When I was younger, I remember being told that they were about a yard long. According to my extensive research on Wikipedia, it looks like an ama is about 20 inches, which means the volume of Noah's big box was about 2 million cubic feet. To put that in perspective, the Titanic was 5 million cubic feet large, which means that this was about two-fifths the size of Titanic, which means that it was a really, really big box for this one dude to build. Put a window in it about an ama from the top. Put a door in its side and give it a bottom, a second, and a third deck. So this is weird because it kind of sounds like God is uh, not really the guy who created the entire universe just by speaking and more like a confused kindergartner trying to describe a house. He's like, there's windows at the top, there's a side door, it's on the side. There's a bottom floor, a main floor, and a top floor. See, I'm going to bring a deluge of water upon the world in order to slaughter all flesh under the sky that has even the faintest spirit of life. <laughs> all those upon this land shall perish. But I will make a pact with you. Go into the box with your sons, your woman, and the women of your sons. Take two of every species of living creature, one male and one female, to live with you in the box. From each and every species of bird, animal, and crawly thing, take two so that they will live. Collect a whole lot of food to feed yourself and all those freaking animals. Noah did as God commanded him. I have seen that you are righteous compared with your generation. This is faint praise considering his generation is a nonstop evil factory. Jehovah told Noah. 
Therefore, you must take your household into the box with you. So last month we talked about the fact that there are two versions of this text. There's the Yehovah version and then there's the Elohim version. So right now we went through all of the description of the box and everything to do with it, and that was the Elohim version. Now we're going through the Yehovah version. Uh, they're very, very similar. Yehovah's involves a reference to pure animals, which everyone thinks means kosher, but really we have no idea. From every pure species of animal, take seven males and their mates. Take only two of every impure animal, one male and his mate. From the birds, too, take seven males and their mates to ensure their seed lives and is spread across the land. God just said that Noah should make sure that their seed is spread across the land, which is really gross. Seven days from now, I will bring rains upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, wiping out all that I have created from the face of the planet. Noah did as God commanded him. Noah was 600 years young when the waters of the deluge came upon the earth. So that's crazy, because Noah was 600 years old when he spent basically a year in this box taking care of every single animal on the planet. That's crazy, but it would also probably make a really good sitcom. <laughs> he, his woman, his sons, and their women went to the ark to escape the flood waters. Two of each of every pure animal, impure animal, bird, and creeping thing came with Noah to the box, just as God had commanded. Even though before the other God commanded uh, seven of the pure animals, but don't worry about that. On the seventh day, the floods came. It was the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month. You know, the second month. The springs of the deep split apart, and the sky's floodgates opened. Torrents of rain fell on the ground for 40 days and 40 nights. In the middle of this first day, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the women of Noah, and the three women of his sons came to the box. It really seemed like things were getting going, doesn't it? The skies had opened up, rain had fallen for 40 days and the nights, and this was all in the past tense. Why are we suddenly back at the first day of the flood? Right, Jehovah's turn. All kinds of beast, animal, reptile, bird, and winged creature came with Noah. Pairs of all that lived, male and female, came just as God commanded them, and Jehovah shut Noah in the box. See, Jehovah. For 40 days, the flood covered the earth. The waters increased until they lifted the box from upon the land, carrying it across the face of the earth. The seas swelled, growing in size, covering the peaks of the highest mountain under the sky by 15 amas. 15 amas, which is only about 22 and a half feet. That's not that much. I mean, for God. <laughs> All flesh perished. Every single thing. Birds, beasts, cattle, and the creatures that swarm on the land. All that drew the breath of life, all that lived on dry land, died. God blotted out all that lived on the earth. Man, beast, creeper, and birds of the sky. All were wiped out. Only Noah and those living with him in the box remained. Except, according to some, for a giant who clung to the side of Noah's box the entire time the flood was going on and somehow didn't capsize it. 
The water covered the earth for 150 days before God remembered Noah and all the living beings in his box. God is kind of forgetful, isn't he? The apocalypse is not exactly the thing you kind of just leave and forget about on the back burner. God brought a great wind across the land and calmed the waters. He closed the great springs of the deep and the floodgates of heaven. After 150 days, the rain stopped and the water began to recede. On the 17th day of the seven month, the box rested atop Mount Ararat. The water continued to recede until the 10th month when the peaks of the mountains were finally visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the box and sent out a raven. The raven flew and flew, searching for a place where there was no water. But the raven never came back. Noah asked God when his lost raven would return once more, and God replied, Nevermore. Then, Noah sent out a dove to look for dry land. Here's the thing about using birds to scout for land. Birds live in trees. The dove could not find a place to rest its feet, so it returned to the box. Noah reached his hand out to catch it and bring it inside. Seven days passed. Again, Noah sent the dove. Toward evening, it returns with an olive branch in its beak. Forever cementing a symbol for peace and not apocalypse. Noah knew that the water must have receded a great deal. After another seven days, Noah sent the dove out again. This time, it did not return. Thus, in Noah's 601st year, on the first day of the first month, the water removed itself from the land. Noah took off the covering from the ark and saw that the ground was drying. And on the 17th day of the second month, it was finally freaking dry. And once again, baseball could be played. Unfortunately, with only eight people living, there weren't enough people to field a team. God spoke to Noah, saying, Get out of the box, all of you, you, your woman, your sons, your, and your sons' women, all the living flesh with you, all the, all the birds, all the cattle, all the crawling things that crawl on the ground. Take them out, spread across the land, and start being fruitful and multiplying out there. So at this point, they'd been in the big wooden box for a full year, and it only had one window and a door at the bottom that had been sealed by God himself. No plumbing at all. I have a feeling everyone needed a shower. Noah left the ark, taking his woman, his sons, and their women with him. All of the animals, the creepy crawlers, the birds, and the insects left the ark in families. Noah built an altar and took one of each pure animal and bird, making a burnt offering to God. So this is the first time we see uh, animal sacrifice in this book. There's going to be a lot more of it later on. It's going to be ritualized. There's going to be a lot of rules about it. But this particular sacrifice is translated as the burnt offering. The literal translation of the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is ola, korban ola, means gone up. Since sacrifices tend not to actually go anywhere, the metaphorical interpretation is that the offering has gone up to God when it's completely burnt here on earth. It's burnt with such a heat that nothing is left except for ash. That's why it's called burnt offering. The idea is that it no longer exists on earth and the entire offering has gone up to God. 
It's curious, though, that the very first thing Noah does after helping all of these animals survive the complete annihilation of every living thing is to kill a bunch of them, but it's the Bible. Never again, Jehovah said, smelling the pleasant aroma. <laughs> Shall I doom the earth because of people? From the days of their youth, the hearts of people are inclined towards evil. Didn't God make people? If it pissed him off so much, couldn't he just make us not evil? Never again will I destroy all living things as I have just done. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall never cease. Unless you, you know, decide to burn all the fossil fuel that I've hidden underground and just totally destroy our entire ecosystem, then maybe uh, you'll lose the seed time and harvest. You shall be fruitful and multiply, filling the land. Jehovah said, blessing Noah and his sons. All living creatures of the lands, all birds of the sky, all that creep in the earth, and all the fish of the sea shall live in fear of your mastery over them. All living things are given to you to eat, just as I have given, just as I, you're good, sorry, <laughs> just as I have given all growing things to you as food. So God has clearly said that vegetarianism is wrong. And kosher. Yes. Only, you can't eat things that still retain their lifeblood. So supposedly this means God is telling Noah not to eat animals while they're still alive, which is crazy, and I really hope God doesn't need to tell us not to do that. <laughs> and for your lifeblood, I shall surely demand a reckoning from all that live, from man and from the brother of man. Hear that, Cain, brothers? <laughs> I shall require a reckoning for the soul of man. One who spills the blood of man shall have his blood spilt by man, because I created man in my image. God clearly endorses capital punishment. Now you must be fruitful, multiply, spread across the land, and pro proliferate upon it. And that is chapter three. Let's give it up for JP, Jessica Poanaki, for reading it with us. I like this chapter because it ends on one of my favorite commandments in the Bible, to be fruitful and multiply. I think I can endorse that and get behind it. Do you have any final thoughts about this chapter? Anything it brought up for you? Um, just the thing that I remember, my first memory of Noah is an art project in kindergarten where we were, given, we were each given the same big sticker of the ark mm -hmm. and then stickers in each of the colors of the rainbow and we made a rainbow over the ark. But there was no mention of the rainbow here. Just wait for it. That's, that's, oh, okay. that's next month. Oh, okay. Can I get Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Rainbows. Um, I like, so, you know, you talk to some people. Some people seem to think that um, this whole story is why fossils exist. Um, there are all sorts of crazy translations. Apparently, all the evil things that um, people did on the earth was have sex with different animals. And all the animals were fucking each other and creating interspecies abominations that included dinosaurs. So when God sent the deluge to the earth, it killed all the dinosaurs and all the awful creatures and only the special creatures that got on the ark were able to survive. Um, and the reason that we have the fossil record is because the flood just screwed everything up and there are just a bunch of different layers of fossils of all the animals that lived back then. So that throws carbon dating out the window entirely, but I think that's interesting. What's crazy about that, though, is that 
you know, there's nothing about necessarily violence in this chapter. Like, it never says that um, the evil that men did was something violent or something bad. And in that interpretation, if it's just bestiality, that's not necessarily, I mean, bestiality is terrible, but that's not necessarily, you know, violence. That's not murder. That's not killing anybody. That's not stealing. So it's wacky that apparently the evil, according to some, is sex-related, and God's reaction is incredibly violent, is to flood the entire planet and kill everyone on it. And that's wacky to me. So that's what I take from it. The other thing is, I want to ask you, are you proud of me for getting through as like a comedy person who's making jokes? How proud, of you, how proud are you that I got through this whole thing without once doing a Bill Cosby impression? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. I think I deserve a lot I of I thought food. you were just asking me in general if I'm proud of you. And I was <laughs> are you proud of me, JP? I'm so proud I'm of you. I'm very proud of you, too. <laughs> that closes out Chapter 3. JP, is there anything that you want to plug or anything you want to talk about that you're up to these days? Um, I'm going to have two video premieres coming up in the next week, so check out my website, which is just Google my name, Jessica Polonecki, and you'll find it. Can you spell your last name for us? <laughs> yeah. This is how my mom taught it to me. P-O-L-A-N-I-E-C-K-I. -I. So check that out. Check Thank that you so out. much for being a guest on this show. Thank you for You're having really me. You're really awesome. <laughs> this is... It's funny because like, this was a longer chapter, and for some reason I thought it would take much longer than it did, but it actually took much less time than I expected, so we can just keep talking if you want. I'm a fast reader. Yes, you are. You're really great. <laughs> Thank you so much for speeding through it. Um, I have a few things, so you can obviously you can check out Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible if you're just listening to this. We have a website, omgwdfbible.com. We have a Twitter, at omgwdfbible. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash omgbible. You can find me on Twitter at at David Tuckman, uh, or at David underscore Tuckman. I'm sorry. Um, if you liked it, as I said at the top, please, please give us, a, give us a review. If you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. Uh, if you do like it, share it with as many people as you possibly can. I also want to talk about another podcast. Um, I was looking around on the internet recently, and I found... Uh, there's somebody else in Portland who's doing a Bible comedy podcast. It's called Reading the Bible with Dan. It's with this guy, Dan Weber. It's really funny. He's up to Exodus now, so he's way ahead of me. Um, and it's great. You should check it out, facebook.com slash reading the Bible with Dan. It's a great podcast. Um, I also want to thank the Jewish Channel. Uh, if you're here, you've noticed that there's a video camera in the corner. The Jewish Channel is here. Uh, they're doing a little taping of the uh, of this week or this month's episode, uh, so you can check that out. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, it aired yesterday. Uh, if this drops on the 22nd, it aired on the 21st, I believe. But you can still check it out on the internet at www.tjctv.com. Is that right? Yes, I got it right. So let's give it a hand for the Jewish Channel. We have a big hand. Also, I'd love to thank Parkside Lounge for hosting us. They're really, really gracious. They're awesome. They gave me a pitcher of beer. So give it up for Parkside Lounge. Remember to tip your waitress at the end of this show. And please be sure to join us next month for episode four, because next month in the Bible... Noah gets fucking wasted. <laughs> Woo!